For more information about this episode, just check out, you know, the look up things about cultural diversity, racism, anti-racism, just things like that. Or look at your family. If you have people with different cultures in your family, just look at how you view them. Because this episode is going to deal with how you view different cultures and dominant cultures and executives and people that... But this is the introduction. I always do this. This is just the introduction. Check out the rest of the episode. It's about to begin now. Hi, my name is Larry Ife. This is episode 137 of White, Confused, Black, and Christian, the podcast. My special guest is Romina Morris. And the topic is anti-racism. And I, I reached out to her because I saw her profile. And very interesting. I'll let you tell her. I'll let her tell herself about this profile because it's, it's interesting. Just go ahead. I'll let you do your thing. Introduce yourself, please. Well, hello, and thank you for having me on, first of all, Larry. This is, uh, I think this is going to be a good conversation. Um, uh, I I would begin by saying that I am an anti-racist, and that's, I hope, why you have asked me to come on. Um, I have always had equity and inclusion as part of my jam, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I've been. And so I define myself today um, as a consultant in terms of working with organizations to do some equity and inclusion work, whether that's strategic planning or whether it's um, training, we'll say in quotation marks. Um, I'm also a social worker, so I provide therapy for people. Um, I My lens in terms of a therapeutic relationship is uh, I prefer to work with people who are trying to work through their understanding of internalized oppression and how colonialism has impacted on them, knowingly or unknowingly, and sort of how that has played out in their lives, in addition to all the things that we deal with, in terms of mental health, addictions, and all the things that um, life gives us to work through. Um, And then I also coach people, and in terms of coaching, um, I, again, prefer to work with people executives, people in leadership, one-on-one who just really need to unpack their stuff. Um, And I say coaching in that regard, even though it is very much the same work as uh, therapy, but because the majority of our leaders in organizations are white men, um, they're not that open to therapeutic work in terms of unpacking their stuff from their life, childhood, all of that, the things that we know affect our adulthood. Um, So coaching is a nice way to sort of help them to work through some of the stuff that gets in the way of them uh, being more successful because for most of them that is that is what they're looking for, more success, whatever that looks like. And so um, I do some of that one-on-one work with people of that nature, but I'm open to doing all of that with anyone, but that's kind of where I yeah, that's really what caught my eye because in your profile, I wrote it down somewhere too. Oh, it said you, um, two things. One major thing that stood out is you have a unique perspective and the other is you deal with, um, I think they're called dominant groups, something like that. Yeah. So, so the dominant groups, talk to me. Dominant groups piece is just essentially that, working with those who are in, who, are in dominant spaces. So places of leadership, people who are making decisions, um, people in government. Um, I work right now with our, um, I live in London, Ontario and Canada, which I know we're gonna talk about. Um, Yes, we'll get there. (laughs) We have to because yeah, we will. Um, But I, so yeah, I work with, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Dominant groups. So yeah, people. So I work with City Hall right now um, with our City of London. Um, I chair a um, a working group that is specifically for putting a strategy for community diversity and inclusion. So there's different spaces where I've um, I I see the dominant groups and how much power they have. Um, And so there isn't there is. It's a very trendy thing right now. Let's let's be real. Obviously, um, uh, COVID is the foundation, and then the Black Lives Matter movement that has always been there, 
has come to the surface and people are listening differently that's the only difference and many lives lost in between as it's all come to light but all of that has brought all of, all of this to the forefront of conversations um so we're able to talk about dominant groups for who they are which are able-bodied cisgendered white males yeah. predominantly um and sort of unpack their privilege, right? That's a big piece of this in terms of their having to shift their minds a bit and understand how they may have, likely have been complicit in racism. Well, how, how does uh, that work? How, do they know, do they, people, do they know they are, do they view themselves as being in a position of power and they're just like, it's a natural thing or do they just, do they, most of them don't want to change, or do they? Do they that's the part that, that that gets me. I don't know if they want to change, or if they. How do they view power? Do they, I don't know how they view this stuff. From a lot of it is part of the privilege is the privilege of being unaware. Mm. Oh, you you identify. So so, you and I identify as people of color. Yep. Right, you are black. I identify as South Asian. We can talk about my unique perspective in a sec, but but we, there's been no question in your mind or mine, regardless of how we were brought up and what values we were raised with. There is no question that uh, you know your place and space in society, uh, unless you've had blindfold on and, and and you've been living in a cave. You know that you are at the bottom of the pit. People at the top don't know that. That is their privilege. Their their unawareness is is what they um, can no longer land on, but have landed on for a long time to be unaware and to not understand. Um, and so, how do they feel about that? I think it's it, you know there's a beautiful term that has been coined um, by Robin D'Angelo, white fragility. Yeah. And so how do people feel today or or feel when these things have come to surface? Hmm. Uh, some experience that fragility, what that what that means and what that looks like is sort of that victim stance, even though you're not the victim, because all of a sudden you feel like, well, hold on, I'm responsible or I'm guilty or I'm I'm anything less than all, all the things that I thought I was. I can't handle that. What does this mean? people, my identity, stuff that you and I have had no choice but to grapple with every yeah. single day. Yep. And when we go into spaces, you know, I know you talked, uh, you commented about the code switching that I talked about in LinkedIn, um, where people put on a, a different face, a mask, call it what you want, but they act differently around certain people in certain spaces. Uh, so in many people's lives, that means at home, they're one way with their friends. They speak a different way. They laugh a different way. They dance a little differently, whatever. Uh, they eat differently. Um, and then when they're in other spaces, and for most people, that's their workspace, uh, they put on, you know, they tone it down, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, they tone it down. They just, you know, because you don't want to be seen. You want, we have been taught to fit into a box that wasn't made for us. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't do things that way. We're not have to be in that box. So, but we've been trained that way. So the code switching is a thing. It's a name now, but it's a thing. It's what we've always done, which is just behave differently around people that don't look like us or maybe don't understand who we are. Um, so, so some people go into that fragility mode. And uh, to be fair, I know a lot of people are getting used to that idea. I'm over it. I don't have time or I don't have a lot of empathy for white fragility because at this point, um, you're just making a choice to listen, but it's not like you didn't know. Yep. <laughs> We've always known and people have always been fighting and saying, this is not new, this is not old. <laughs> it's it's always been, always. And you brought up a, good, brought up a point that, that just kills me. It's, it's the fact that, like you said, minor, like minorities have known this is going on forever. Nobody ever put a term on it, but now the white people are doing it. Now you have white fragility. I heard something else too. I heard white anger or something like that. And sure. Now that put a face on it. And, and I'm gonna go take a quick bunny trail here because I dealt with drug addiction. I dealt with cocaine addiction. Yep. Cocaine addiction was treated in this country totally different than opioid addiction. Once opioid addiction came around and affected white people, 
Now there's a name to it. Now there's billions of dollars. Now it's like, hey, we gotta help these people. So it's like a, this, I think this thing is bigger than, it affects everything actually. It, I, there's no area of life it, it doesn't touch. So, so that means all the big things are obvious. Like police, yeah, hello, obvious. I'm so glad it's getting the attention it deserves, but it, it's been a problem for a very long time. But equally important, not and and can equally be deadly if we're talking about life is the healthcare system okay because people make decisions about your health and assumptions about your well-being so like literally if a person comes in who is obese in a black body what assumptions are made about their health or their decisions or their lifestyles that might not be made about somebody in a different body a white woman for example those things aren't play all the time. That's healthcare. Prison, can we talk? Should we? That's not, because that's a whole thing. Uh, that's a whole thing. But it is also another system. But all of them are have been designed. We, you know, the other thing that people are now saying is white supremacy. And I laugh thinking, my gosh, if we were to say those kind of words just like eight months ago, uh, people would not welcome us in spaces. Those of us who've been doing this work for a long time, you couldn't you couldn't use the word anti-black racism. It's been around for a long time. And those of us in these spaces would use it and understand that it's a very specific racism, mm. different from and as specific to uh, anti-indigenous racism, which oh. I hate oh. the fact that your country doesn't talk about this the way that Canadians do, even though we're doing a terrible job and it's terrible history and it's appalling, but we at least are starting to acknowledge there's a problem. But these are very specific systems and it all goes back to colonization. Yes, and so you said colonization earlier. So do people, so when you talk to people, you said you do therapy, like one-on-one therapy for people that deal with colonial, uh, colonial. Internalized oppression. Yes, yes. Do they know it's that, or do they just do they just have the symptoms and you can identify it, or do they know it's hey, I have, I have some type of colonial type of or how's that so, work? that's a great question. So let's start with I don't know how you could exist in this land in this time and not have colonialism play a major part of your mental health, physical health, all of that. So everyone, yeah, to me, I could probably point to how that's played out in some way, shape or form um, by um, those that are living today with problems, like you said, addictions, mental health, all these things. There is no way that some of that isn't playing out in terms of race and identity. And um, so that for me is, is an obvious and it's, it's a starting point. How is more the question? How has it played out? Um, in what ways have you, and so internalized depression, and do people know? I'm gonna say no, people don't always know. I think people are starting to understand because as much as white people are listening um, and are, there's, the ground is a bit fertile for, for, for some seeds to be planted, but equally there are people that are shifting who are black, who are people of color who are going, oh, we can talk about this. Oh, we can name it, we can say it, we can, Oh, we don't have to keep this at home. Um, and I very much appreciate that moment. There, for me, it, it was a space where I joined an anti-oppression round table. I worked in child welfare for many years. Um, and in that space of people looked like me, talked like new, can talk like this. We were speaking about something that I could never go back to my space and talk about ever. So we would all come and it was this release. I tell you, it was, um, it was such a, there was so much energy in the room in terms of releasing this it's such heavy work when it's not welcome and so i feel like the whole world is sort of doing that big exhale of like oh we can say and name it instead of pretending like it's not existing because we don't want to lose our job because we want a bank loan because we need an apartment and we have four kids and we're single and what assumptions are they going to make they don't know that my husband died he's not in jail like all these things fair but that is um yeah Ooh. <laughs> i get heated but just like right now I knew that 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 you and I 
Now, the way you and I talk right now, I can just tell. We can talk natural, normal, whatever it is. Um, I had, even when I had an interview with this, with this white guy, he did that, he dealt with suicide. Yep. Up him, I wasn't sure at first. I kind of got to do a little bit of screening at first and see what I can say and what I can't say, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it becomes natural. Like the, the interviews I did with, with the white guys were natural. Um, not as natural as, not as, not a natural love like you and I are talking right now. Yep. That's, totally that's a difference. Yes, yeah, it's as though there's something, there's something behind the scenes that's unspoken and I can be civil with white people. They can be civil with me. We can joke and laugh. But, but yeah, there's something there that always get There's something missing. And it's that experience. It's that like, it is that thing when you walk into a space and you look, is there anybody that even resembles somewhat like me? Are you different in any way? Why? Because we need to feel like we belong because it matters. And we know that, oh, nothing else, you get it. Even if you act like you don't get it, because some people have to act like that to keep themselves safe and act like they don't, they don't see anything. Even people who are racialized. But, but there's some comfort in knowing that you're that, that someone gets it without you even having to say something. But yeah, it's 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 that it's that it's that little extra something that you just know. I don't have to explain that to you, and I also don't have that piece missing from my exchange with you. So that's a real thing. And even with my friends, there is there is there is a there's a barrier. There's a there's a something there that as and you know, I have been, I've lost my job because of this. I have, I've lost my job for speaking up about microaggressions in the workplace. Yeah, you were speaking up as a job or something, or they, it was something you were speaking about outside and they found out about it? No, uh, calling it out in the workplace and, and ah. that not landing well with people who, because you asked, how do people take this? And some people go white fragility. Some people go, I don't know what you're talking about. Some people go, uh, this is so uncomfortable. You need to leave. You need to leave because I'm in a position of power. Uh, I say that because with friends who are who are racialized, that conversation looks very different when I'm debriefing about that entire situation. When I talk about it with my white friends, there's empathy and oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to you. That's it. But there's a little something missing. Yeah. That sort of like, damn, that could have been me. That could have been my mom. Oh, that happened to my. There's none of that. There's sort of like. Wonder if she misinterpreted something, or you know, there's that little something. That's that's the difference, and that means we're put back to authenticity, right? I can't bring myself to the workplace. I can't bring myself into this friendship or relationship or whatever authentically, fully. There's something missing, and what does that do to us? If you can't be yourself for eight, let's go beyond the work day, you know, because you go to the gym or whatever, whatever, 10, 12 hours a day. You're not. You're you're. You're stifling some of you to be safe, to exist. Like I said, to not lose your job, to not whatever, whatever. That does something to us. So when you say, do people know when they come into therapy? If they don't know, they're gonna know <laughs> because I'm gonna talk about it. And I think that's what's missing. When you have a therapist that is um, white and you have a racialized, marginalized person of any sort, uh, you know, in social work school, they wouldn't tell you that this was necessarily, uh, that you had to have the same match. But you know, it's for that reason. It's for that reason that there, that little something can be, um, that's just on the table. We all know that, like, obviously, as I've gone through life, when I tell you something, you also have a sense of that little, what that's like to live day to day with that weight. And it's a weight. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a, so so I'm a, I'm gonna switch gears real quick. Then I gotta jump so, back and you about something. So like I told you earlier, so you know the name of my book is called White, Confused, Black, and Christian. Which confused me. Yes, I'm black. It's out there now. Everybody, it's out there. I'm black. Mm. <laughs> I was adopted when I was a month old into a white family, and so I had big brothers and sisters that were white, and so all. From zero to 18, I was trying to be white. I was trying to be white. I talked. I remember practicing in my room saying the word like. And I was in a white high school. I did all that. And then I got to the stage where it's confusing because it just didn't fit. I was sick of it. It just didn't work. So that's my confused stage where I was. My mom and dad are white, but I hated white people during that stage. And I wanted to love them because my parents are white. And then I went to a black stage where 
I was ready to go to prison. I was into violence, drugs, selling drugs, doing drugs. And I thought, when I had to go to prison, I was like, run it. That's what a black man do. You got to have a number. That's what we do. So I have been in jail about a bazillion times before that. I wasn't tripping. And my friends were like, you don't care about jail. This is what we do. Prison, I was excited. And then finally, I got to the stage where, for me, it, was the, it, was, it wasn't necessarily church. It was the Bible that got, that got me straight. So I finally figured out that the best way to get over anything is some type of spiritual base. Some type of spiritual base overrides all this craziness. And now, like with this little silly podcast, I do, I talk about whatever, I cuss, I do whatever, I say fuck you, I say whatever. And I'm not really talking to anybody in particular, but it just feels good because I've talked about my drug addiction, porn addiction, sex addiction, smoking cracks, different. I've talked about everything, and that's part of my product, my, my process is. Put it all out there. Either you love me or don't. You can call me whatever you want to, it doesn't matter anymore. And that's why you said, so my question to you is, what is your process when you deal with with people that don't have the same experiences as you or that can't relate to you at all, period? Like when you work at City Hall, how what's the, how are you gonna get City Hall people to get these experiences? Because they can't they can't get them directly. They have to kind of indirectly get these experiences or they can never relate to us. So that will, will people, certain people never be able to relate to minorities or the the less dominant group because some executives will never, some executives will never run the streets like 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 minorities have had to do or go different things mentally like minorities have to do. They just don't, they won't have those experiences. They, they won't. So how do you bridge, how do you think the best way is to bridge that gap? Such a great question, and I think you just answered it. Was that in the prison? No, by storytelling, by telling your story. Ah. Ha, right? Because if one or two white people with privilege are listening, there's no denying your story, it's true. Uh, and it's a story that maybe they haven't heard before. That's the problem, right? When you are in circles that don't look like you, you don't, why would you hear the privileges? You don't have to think about this stuff. So your story to, and this is the beauty. I mean, come on, thank God for the internet that people can, <laughs> there's no excuse anymore. You, you just, there's no bubble. We are all exposed to it. Everybody's story once got one. That's the theme of 2020. We've all got a story. COVID hit everybody. Nobody is unscathed. Some good, some bad, and some terrible, and some deadly, but nobody's gone untouched. So, you know, that's that's the that's that's what I strongly believe the universe was giving to us is that lesson of like one thing can affect everyone in different ways and whoa look at those inequities if they're you know right i mean it, this is why it was a perfect storm yeah. you know george floyd god bless his yeah. soul was not the first to be brutally executed obviously it's because he was just one too many right so it's not it's not new no it's going on forever a lot of white people were shocked there were some white people that were shocked. Well, well, maybe. You think they were shocked, or you think that maybe they saw it before, but never in their face like this? Were you shocked? I, I was like, yep, I knew it. I wasn't shocked at all. I knew it was gonna happen when he, when, he, when Floyd got killed. They showed the clips, I'm like, I ain't gotta watch that clip anymore. I can think about the last time when, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I dealt with the police. I think that there were some white people it's my own opinion. I think that white people were, uh, like, I think a lot of them were shocked that it's, I think they, I think they heard about it. They heard stories about police brutality and they heard about it. And so it's like I said, it's one of those things that's out there. But the Floyd thing, it's like white people are like, okay, look here, we did something. We don't know exactly yeah. what we did, but we're doing something here wrong. And it's, I'm getting sick of it because everybody's talking about white people doing stuff and, and I can't take it. I got white for Julian now and something going on. I think, yeah, as, you, as we're talking about it, I'm trying to think like, what was different? Because it wasn't that different. I, and as you're saying it and thinking about the video, you know, I think what was, what was different was the length of time that we had to wait till that poor man's life was extinguished. Oh, yeah. 
the t- and the amount of discomfort in, in in it being such a you know we've seen people shot cold blood like that's not new sure. uh, but i think there was maybe something about that you you know if you if you agree to watch it from beginning to end your ass was sitting for a long time was it 9 minutes or something like that or 8 minutes it was too long it was yeah. too long and you and so you you were you were there and it's almost like who are you in that moment are you the person who is so effing tired of a neck being pushed by this knee the system all of it like that that burden that weight that you've been carrying every day are you george would just enough get your effing neck off of me and let me just be free are you are you george are you george or are you are you the officer who had a shitty ass childhood was picked on all your life found your groove to get your power because that's what the job entails it's all about power are you that person who is going to stick with it you've made a decision and justice and righteousness and just goodness kind love can we say love is not enough for you to change your mind and go maybe i need to rethink this one you had you had as much time as we all did to sit there yeah. are you that person who goes nope you know what he was risk i mean you see it resisting arrest or he was on front there there is there is there is justification and that is it's so symbolic of the system of the neck it's so symbolic of the no no uh i have the power and the authority to do this and i am going to keep myself grounded in that position because to let up my leg would admit that i don't i'm not doing something right actually i think i'm really doing it you, you have to do all that unpacking and are you so who do you identify with and there you have the split black white split who are you in that freaking moment i know who i am <laughs> enough now speaking of you young like speaking of you you mentioned something about you have a unique perspective mm. we need to know what that unique perspective <laughs> is in the background to it speaking of storytelling right so mm-hmm. my story is a is a is a good example of and i and i i am really landing in my story being all about colonization and how it has effed up uh my people Okay. Gosh, it, and you know, it just goes right. So, um let me go right to the beginning. So, my people, I'm from my ancestors are from Afghanistan, um Middle East, made their way to India. And so I identify as South Asian. East Indian is what I used to be known as and then we became South Asian so that we could be all inclusive. That's how I identify myself because it's what people know uh or understand. So, um and from there india of course <laughs> colonized and destroyed uh, um so the story is that people from india were indentured slaves do you know what that is indentured slavery i think it's where you just you get like time off a little bit maybe yeah exactly it's like it's like it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's not forever till you die <laughs> it's like it's two year five year 10 year yeah. so when you've done your 10 your time then you're free in this foreign land So indentured slaves were brought over from India to build the railway in East Africa. Um so Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, that whole east coast. And so they were brought and then later on some came on their own accord. And so uh East Africa has many people of South Asian descent living in and especially back um so my my parents were born in East Africa, my dad in Tanzania, my mom in Uganda. And um they're three of my grandparents were also born there so it's it, it was two or three generations of of family living in East Africa uh one of my grand my grandmother um was 14 when she got married and she lived in in uh, in India so she was brought over um so so there's a bit of a history in East Africa which is kind of cool and then um in the 70s my parents got married in 1970 my brother was born in 71 and then um by 72 there was this so Uganda is where they were living and uh colonization comes into play here because Uganda of course was a colony like I think every country in Africa except for one uh, 
by uh, Uganda was uh, Britain. It was it was British? Okay. Yeah. Um. So and and all different countries like Mozambique, Portugal, right? Like I mean, Africa is just a mess in terms of their their European colonizers. Uh, we know this. Um. Yeah. So, but the East side, we know a lot about the West. You, uh, especially in your country, you know a lot about the West because of the slave trade. But the Eastern side was India and uh, and Asians, Chinese people uh, going to India and then. Uh, so anyway, East Africa is where my parents are from. And then in 1972, the um, president was overthrown. Uh, Milton Obote was his name, and he was overthrown by the general of the army, Idi Amin. Do you know about uh, him? You heard about him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of a brute. <laughs> uh, so he overthrew uh, the president, uh, Obote, when Obote had gone to Egypt. Uh, took over and decided that um, the Asians needed to, South Asians needed to leave Uganda. Um, and his his logic was that uh, the quote that he he was famous for saying was that Asians have have milked the cow, but they have not fed it. Meaning that we had come, we were brought, uh, and um, and then once we were, this is the model minority stuff coming into play. So we came into a land of people who are native were black, they became the bottom of the system in their own country. Uh, the East Indians, South Asians, all um, were given a bit of a hand in terms of, so they, they began to run businesses and were, you know, this is where we become merchants and we become uh, running the, the marketplace. And then white people were at the top in terms of uh, having a lot of influence in the government, right? So, and we're seen as the almighty. So there's an entire thing around how that plays out in our lives today. So, and I'll get there. Um, so they were kicked out and they were political refugees. Um, they went to England. My dad had said, so my parents, when they were kicked out from Uganda, they ended up going. So England took a lot of refugees. Canada took a lot of refugees and America took some, and Australia. So uh, they um, took them in because they were expelled. So when I say expelled, they were, they were like, they were, they had to leave everything, right? Like their cars, their homes, their money, their bank accounts, um, and just a suitcase and a few hundred shillings, and they were on a plane, um, which you couldn't do that to me, just saying, like I'd probably die in my home. Like, I don't know what people, when I talked to my parents about it, like, did you not want to like stay? Like how, who tells you to leave your home? Uh, but their, their, their colonized minds looked at it as an opportunity to go to the Western world where there's unicorns and rainbows and money just yeah. falls from the, the sky, this myth that, you know, this all, anyways. So they went to the UK, which is where I was born. I lived there till I was 13. And our families got split, right? Half of my family's uh, aunts and uncles came to Canada and the other half were in the UK. Um, and so then we moved to Canada from England when I was about 13. Uh, and I have always wondered if we'd just been left alone as people, where would I be? You know, where would I be? But here I am. Well, I'm glad you're here. And, and interestingly, in terms of that hierarchy, just to add to, you know, how it all ties in, you'll hear people talk about shadism and colorism. It's a thing in terms of, you know, lighter skin is better, darker skin is bad. This is, we, again, this is a, no, you know this, I know this. This is how we've been um, taught to believe about ourselves. But again, it comes from that colonial mindset of fairer skin is better. So, so Indian people are bleaching their skin for hundreds of years to look like. Oh, uh, you know, these these white people, uh, media, you know, Bollywood, it's just infiltrated with that, that idea that darkness is bad, is, you know, the caste system, like, ah, oh, we could go on in terms of how this mindset that white supremacy is playing out in, so not just in your country or mine, oh, around the world. I didn't know that. Countries are broken, broken forever. <laughs> So, so here you talk about this from different countries, especially. Wait, so quick geographical thing: Africa is a not a country. Africa. Okay, I'm gonna Africa hurt you. Is a continent. Are, are you are you asking me or are you telling me? 
I'm going to ask. If Africa is a not, continent, continent. You're not going to ask. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Africa is a continent. Uganda is going to build our countries, like North America yeah, or like Canada. Like, no, because North America is a continent. Okay, I'm not going to go there right now then because I don't know how to edit this at all. <laughs> no, we're going to do this. Okay, let's do it. Come on. Because <laughs> we were going to talk about Canada, right? Yeah. North America, the continent is Canada, America, Mexico. Three separate countries. Three separate countries make up one continent, North America, right? Africa is like 53, 57, I'm gonna get it wrong. Countries. So countries, it's like North, like, 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 uh, North America. Like Canada, no, like, Canada, Canada. like Spain, like Portugal, okay. like, like France, like Germany, like, like Europe is made up of a bunch of countries. Okay. Africa is made up of a bunch of countries with different languages, different food, different religions, partly because of colonialism, of course, but yeah, different, 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 different ethnic, everything different, as different as America and Canada are. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like night and day, you know? <laughs> it seems weird. Anyway. I, I don't know how, I don't know. To me, because I used to go to, I got to switch gear one more time. I used to go to uh, that, that, ah, oh, shit. It was a, it was a summer festival, Carap Caravan. You used to come to Caravana? Just a couple of times. I, I could. You have been in our country a couple of times, my friend. Yeah, my, my, my parents, my Mississauga. I got some uncle, uncle Louis, Mississauga. That's my, that's, that's, uh, I lived in Brampton, which is a city just above Mississauga. So that's my old kind of area. See? And Caravana was the ish. I, I was oh, the man. Yeah. And, and, it and is had, still. Yeah. Is it going on still? Well, yes. It's not called Caravana anymore. Well, you, and, and when, I came to the, when I came to Canada, America has different, different colors and shades of people, different mixes, but your country ha is the bomb.com. That was, I could spot the difference. That was crazy. It's there, people talk different languages. Oh yeah. This is, this is, this is the land of everybody uh, now. <laughs> But I still, you know, I maintain it's not ours. So who colonized it? Brit Great Britain, the British oh, or? Well, Britain, Britain, British and France. Britain and France, and there was war here. And that's why we have Quebec. You know about Quebec? You know about Quebec? I'm just gonna nod and smile. I know about <laughs> Quebec is our, one of our provinces is actually, it's uh, attached to Ontario. So if you just kept going <laughs> past Carabana and just kept going, you'd get to Quebec. Quebec is another province, and it's predominantly French-speaking. So that's how it happened. Yeah, of course. Think of it. How did everything happen? How did how, how? Why do Mexican people speak Spanish? I'm gonna smile and nod. This, no, I had an aha moment. I'm not acting like I knew this since I was little. I didn't. I think it was when I went to Mexico and went to Chichen Itza and then they talked about the indigenous people. And of course that's uh, so much history in, in terms of indigenous people in Mexico. And then I was like, oh, Mexican people are a mixture of indigenous people from the land, the native people and the Spaniards, duh. <laughs> Spain colonized, well, hello. That's why they speak Spanish. That's why they don't look like people in Spain. It all makes sense now, hello. When you understand that, you're like, wow. Where did it not touch? Show me a land it didn't touch. Let's look, so let's look at this. Let me ask you this then. Because I actually, it so, in the back of my book, like I said, I just talk about whatever. In the back of my book, I have a section called Private Matters. I talk about everything from abortion, homosexual relationships, Bible, devil, whatever, slavery. I have I have a Private Matters topic called The Positive Effects. I shouldn't even be saying this. I just did it. It's called The Positive Effects of American Slavery, written by a black African-American male. I did it just because I had one of those days where I'm like, 
I don't like this colonial stuff. I didn't call it that. I, I, I didn't have a name for it until just now. You helped me put a name to it. But I thought to myself, in the end, if America did not have, it was not because of slavery, would it be the way it is now. Would I even be here on this planet? Would I be in some African country doing something else? Would we have, right. we wouldn't have Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, Oprah. We wouldn't have a lot of different cars, a lot of different stuff that we have now because of slavery. And that's why, for me, once I wrap my news around the spiritual aspect of it, the fact that there's a plan for everything somehow. Some could say it's a universe. Some could say it's God or Buddha, Confucius or Allah, whatever it is. There's some type of plan. I may not agree with the the, the means of it. Wait. Yeah, I may not agree with the means of like the colonization and all the horrors of that stuff. But in the end, like right now, the technology we have, the cultures we have, the melting pot, it's, I don't know if I was, I mean, it's good and bad. I, I don't know. It's just. I, I think what you're trying to say is that there have been so many great contributions from people who were enslaved when they were, and, and they were descendants. There were so much beauty and joy and music and laughter and all good things because of people who were brought here not by choice that can be true and at the same time slavery has nothing positive about it for anybody other than white people So well, both things can be true, that the contributions are there and that, yeah, they're, they're you know, I, I mean, I mean, Mike Tyson, Michael Jackson, I'm not sure they're my like go-to people that I would say like have done like, so, you know, yeah, we can have that conversation another time. But of course, we, like I said, I wonder where would I be? But then I wonder, well, no, I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be. Yeah. So, so it's not a, it's not a like, oh, I wish we could go back. It's a, we need to acknowledge the damage it's done and then move forward from that without you can't have it both ways you can't have all the you know i mean michael jackson mike tyson great examples of black men being exploited actually you're right i'm gonna learn, i'm gonna learn how to edit because i should not have said that live <laughs> Oh boy, when they see this, when they see this podcast, you have so many cut out pieces yet. <laughs> I'm gonna call you out on it. <laughs> I'm gonna, hey, Larry, why is that part missing when I listen to it? <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good because because if if you're thinking it or I'm seeing it or I'm thinking like somebody else is too, so it's not we're not alone. Like in terms of our conversation, people have these conversations in the same way. And I think that the, but, the, the thing you said is what goes on, like you said, what that's called, code something, code? Code switching. Yeah, mm. because when, just like you said, I'm, so being black, I am in America now. It's not that, I I, like I, said, I don't wanna quote unquote go back. So I gotta make it, make it do what it does here. And it is what it is. And we've got, like I said, just gotta accept the system, the way the, the, the power, I mean, the way they dress, I mean, we, we had to accept it. I mean, we don't have to, but we have been a long time. The language, the culture, the way they dress, the way we have to talk, everything. And it gets to a point like, fuck. To the point that you don't even know what's real and what's not. You don't even know what's you and what's not. You don't even know who you are. This is what I'm talking about. This is the undoing of ourselves. This is what internalized oppression looks like. This is what decolonization looks like in terms of how we need to come out from that. I um, I don't think I shared with you, but in, in my child protection work, I worked with a foster company um, and did a lot of work with foster children and adoption. And the issue of transracial adoption and the, even in foster care, um, when there is not a racial or cultural match, we know, we may not have known when you were born, but we definitely know now when there is not a match, there is some serious stuff that happens to a child's identity. Don't do it. Over the, and, and in any, in any mismatch, but when you take a black child and put them in a white home, 
it is irreversible damage yes. <laughs> because because when you look at that now with the white supremacy lens ugh, white people are just starting to understand what they may have been complicit in but we're talking about generations of like torture and like cruel Raping. dehumanizing behavior to like that you would treat your animals better yeah. So if you're just now going, oh, maybe maybe I'm related to people that might have done that. And maybe because of that, my mind has been shaped in a certain way. I mean, you know, it's that whole, uh, it's that whole, we've been walking around in two different worlds in the same world. Like we can look at white people and go, how have you not, uh, can I give you a little example? A little example. I work in, I have historically worked in most, yeah, every job uh, I am, one of the only racialized people, if not the only one. So when I go to the bathroom in the summer, my favorite example, and I'm wearing my sandals, I go to the bathroom, everybody knows who's in my stall is me. It couldn't be anybody else. When I share that with people in terms of how they don't have to, how it's sort of, it's a little thing that you have on your shoulder, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you're like, you can't, it's not like I can't get out of bed because everyone's gonna know I use the bathroom when I use it. it. But it's just a little thing that as I'm as I'm doing my business, I'm like, if somebody comes in, they're gonna know it's me. That's a little thing I say yeah, to myself. Yeah, yes, yeah, that, yeah. that this person doesn't have to. And I'm not talking about when you walk into a store and security gives you a double. I'm not talking about you when you go to the bank machine and somebody's like feeling a little bit nervous because you're coming in. You is a whole different story. I'm just talking about going to the bathroom and going, which white girl is looking and knows it's me. Yes. It's, That's not life or death. It's just one of those. It adds up. Because you do it one day, one day it's okay, but you gotta do it two times that day. And then next thing you know, you're doing it that's 10 times in a week. And then it's 20 times in that. To the week. point, you don't even know who you are anymore. It's it's real, it's real. And I'm gonna add a little bit of context in terms of why I get so damn passionate about this stuff. Yeah. Um, so my husband is black. So my children are mixed, but society would tell you they're black. Yeah. They're not mixed but they don't identify that way because society doesn't i'm saying that because i had a bit of an aha of like it doesn't matter how mixed they are they're black that's really that's really bothersome and also wait a minute that means that in society they are black oh dear i have two boys i have two girls like there was a moment of like i know i see them as my children and they are both of us world doesn't which means the world will treat them a certain way and then it gets really confusing and that's where that interracial stuff like I have so naively didn't realize until I've had children and lived a few years with them that I will never ever ever as we talked about how white people will never really understand what it is to have to have a little bit of something I too will never know what it is to be seen as a black person uh, it's a, it's an experience that that my children will have that I I can't relate to, and so that's complicated. So if you figure, you know, so you figure, so you're the perfect person that can say, see, me, you're the perfect peoples. I say people sometimes just because we're the perfect people that can um that that have lived yes. in certain situations. Yes. That can get it. Ah, you're better at words than me. I'm not too good at words, but but we're the ones. Like I said, you having yeah. to live with your kids, you 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 you're able to tell a white person, look, I'm not actually black, but I, this is how right. I view my children as, you know, these cultures, this and that, this and that. Catch a quick question. Do yeah. how important is it that minorities or non-dominant cultures have to explain all this shit to white people. Do we have to explain it or, or, or does it have to see a spiritual view? My spiritual view is where I got to the point where I'm not explaining shit. To, I did a podcast <laughs> called I'm not explaining shit to white people. I don't have to. I don't need yeah, a yeah, you read, there's a there's a really good book that you would enjoy. Um, Rennie Eagle Lodge, what's it called? Why I am no longer talking to white people about racism. You know what? You gotta also wait why I am no longer talking to white people about racism. 
you would really like her vibe. She's actually, it started her, that, that book started as a blog. So you could easily look up the original blog where she just, it, it's that tone of like, I am done talking about this with you because you get so jacked up and then I got to deal with your emotions and I'm not really wanting to do that, which is part of why I don't really love doing therapy with an anti-racist lens with white people because that feels exhausting to me. Like I, I don't, I don't, I, I, it's enough. I don't want to do it. Let somebody else. I just don't want to do that anymore. I want to explain this shit to you. Yeah. Cause that's taxing, but uh, you know, and there's a lot of talk, especially as people are wanting to do better, be better, which is great. Um, you know, people are trying to learn. And so they're looking online and finding things and uh, some are being misled and some are not, but you know, the, re the real, the real way to learn, as I said, is to just enter spaces where other people exist that don't look like you right it listen to a, a conversation like this you don't have to be a part i know podcasts are a bit hokey in terms of of, of uh, learning about this but when it's storytelling which a lot of what we're talking about is right how did you get here why do you have this viewpoint um and you're right you and i are very good people because you you've danced both both worlds so much. Um, you know, the other piece to my story is that because of the colonization of the story in East Africa and the hierarchy, how do you think my parents and my family looked at me marrying somebody outside of my race, outside of my culture, outside of my religion? Huh? Right? I mean, it's okay. We're all okay. Nobody's died. We're okay. But it's it's still something that, you know, it's like such a weird so I'm, 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 I'm I have that unique perspective in terms of seeing how it's all played out my parents don't necessarily understand how it's played out for them I see it they don't they don't have to they're holding the, holding the rest of their days in ignorance it's fine but um yeah I I I, I don't know it's it's a, it's a very cool place to be because I as a, as a South Asian person have so much privilege I talk all day about how I'm so impacted by race. I have so much privilege. Let's be real. I'm not. I'm not going to the food bank. I have food in my fridge, not as much as you, but I have. <laughs> I'm a terminal have, thing. This museum terminal. <laughs> I have more food. Shit, everywhere I go, there's more food. Insane. That's insane. I'm gonna send my kids to you because you can feed them when this shit goes down and we're on lockdown again. I'm gonna be like, guys, I know somewhere you could go. You keep for days. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> uh, that, and that wouldn't last long with them. Anyways, so yeah, we have a unique position because we've, my, we've, we've, we've danced both sides. My grandpa, so here's my deal. My grandpa's from India. And when he came to, so my, 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 so my name is Larry Ife. My yep. biological name is Adam Khan, K-H-A-N. Okay. Cool. So my grandpa's name is Muhammad Khan. He came from America, I mean, India, from India. Start with a T. Oh, something, no, Bombay. Something to do with Bombay or something like that. He came from there. <laughs> you know me and my, I gotta get better at this. I don't do a podcast. We're gonna do some geography lessons here. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna get my kids to listen to that one. I gotta, get, I gotta understand Canada first. I gotta wrap my noodle around you, you, okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna sidetrack real quickly, but like there's so much in that because my kids don't even understand as well in terms of geography. When 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 we talk about their, their black side, uh, it gets really confusing because my husband is from Nova Scotia, um, which is one of the provinces, Larry, it's one of the provinces in Canada. Sure, but it's the other side, it's on the East Coast. And it is, you've heard of the Underground Railroad. Yes. Okay, well, where do you think those people came? They came up and into Canada. Uh-huh. So we have a lot of descendants from, uh, so my husband's family, both parents from Nova Scotia would be descendants from? Get out of here. America. Right. Slave. Huh. Cool. Ah, hey, I like it. See how it works? <laughs> but see how it's, but see how it's played out everywhere? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's no, you can't turn any stone and there's not some route to colonization. Let me ask you this then. Mm. What if... I want oh. you to finish telling me about your, your Muhammad oh. Khan. Muhammad Khan, oh. So Muhammad Khan is his name. He... We might be related. I, I was just thinking that. I saw the eyes, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Those are my nephews over there, my nieces. <laughs> so I'm sending them to you for food. <laughs> 
when, when okay, he came to America, he yeah. fell in love with my grandma, who was black, and his parents said, if you get with her, we'll disown you. Shut the front door? Yep. So he said, so he shut the front door, and he has no, we, we have no communication. We can't figure out who or where they are, nothing, because that part's all lost. He never talked about it anymore. Oh. He, he went black and never went back. Um, that was that it. Is, isn't that freaking weird? Yeah, they disowned him. They said because no. it's such a because it's such it's not so much now, but for especially this was your grandfather, not your father. So I, no, I was born in 1970. So my grandpa was probably born in like 1920 or whatever. Oh my goodness, that would have been unheard of. Not unheard of. But uh, in the, like, in, that's in, my in a black that's, person. Yeah. Yeah, they said no. Listen, you're I, you're, you're dead to. Can't bring that shame on the family. Oh yeah, no, no. You're you're better off dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> That's yeah. a cool story. That's a very cool story. Love, love. See, love always wins. <laughs> so that is very cool. Hmm. So let me ask you this then: What if I've asked this question before? What if I asked my my black friend before? What if black people lived in America first? What if black people came and took over America, and then we brought? Would would black people be the same way? We would would black people have? Look here, we need some slaves to work these fields. Let's head up Russia and Britain and France, and let's get them over here. Do you um, really ask people this question? I, I, I was probably high, and I think about Maybe, it. Maybe let's okay. Hold on. So and and people. I mean, it's such a false question. Like you can't you can't even words out and you've lost me like what no <laughs> would they no of course not that's not that's there's now i can't unpack what it is that's different but there's something very different in our blood as people to be not bloodthirsty to be not uh, i mean I, yeah i can't go that deep because but the answer is no <laughs> the answer is no no well see malcolm x thought that white people are all devils too he said they're all devils and then he said uh, after all he's like you know what Maybe we're all kind yeah, of, not, kind of I did I went through my Malcolm X stage and I he's you know oh he's still a hero. Um, and I went through my anti-white stage uh, for sure in my younger years. Yep. It was pretty hardcore. I came out of it only because you have to live and work in spaces and you know you have to grow up and and sure. code switch in order to pay the bills or not and then suffer for the consequences. So, um, yeah, no, that question isn't even real because it's just not, I mean, if, now, there is tribal wars in Africa, let's not be silly, like in terms of uh, fighting and protecting one's land. But that's different than like, we're here to take over and take everything and kill you in the process I don't I don't I don't think I don't think I personally don't think there's any other cult, other culture that would I, do that I, yeah but does that come from like the Greek and the Roman kind of uh, stuff like that whole like the Greek gods and the Roman gods and like this whole like well, I don't know I don't know but where, where does that go I don't know where it comes from uh, I, as I think sometimes, or not think, or maybe, like I said, maybe it was a, a, a drug-induced thought that came across my noodle one night, and I'm like, hmm. I don't no. know. I, I mean, I mean, look, we haven't talked about it, but let's let's be let's be as real. If we're gonna get that real about colonialism, you can't have a conversation about white supremacy, colonialism, and not use the word capitalism in the conversation. So. If there was a dollar to be made or, uh, you know, I'm not saying that people are not capable of doing all kinds of things to get ahead. Um, but I will say that from my understanding, and I am by no means an expert, I, I know a lot more because I've chosen to about Indigenous peoples in, in, the, in the country that I currently live in. But I do believe and understand that most Indigenous countries uh, sorry, indigenous peoples in any part of our globe have the same kind of belief about living and existing on this planet. And when you 
talk about spirituality, that's like, that comes right into play in terms of giving, receiving, taking only what you need from the land, you know, all that kind of like that very simple, like you, there's, there's an abundance we don't need to exploit, like live within our means. So capitalism's done a number on that mentality, right? Like we can't, we can't go back to just what was. So yeah, people will sell their child to make a dollar if they have to. So matter of fact, no, we can't go there now because we'll do capitalism. We'll talk about capitalism for so long. I've been ate all these beans and wine <laughs> and shit. No, <laughs> we'll be on that for a while. Try Listen, to. we're gonna do one on capitalism. We'll do a follow up because I, I, yeah, we're going there. We're going all there. <laughs> it, but all it there. is, it is, it is the root, right? It's the yeah. root of the system, and it's the root of white supremacy. So, I do. <sighs> Are you exhausted? I'm exhausted. A bit, just a little bit. Well, I worked out beforehand because I. I did I, too. <laughs> well, I did yoga. I'm doing yoga. This whole like, you know, this whole spiritual stuff is just very newer for me. So I'm, yeah, I'm doing yoga. I'm doing some mindfulness. I'm trying to just be able to keep my head straight as I do this work. Because well, spiritual this stuff helps you. Are you? Are you? Would you consider if, if you had to classify? What would you say? Would you say Christian, universe, uh, Islam, Muslim? I grew up. I grew up Muslim and Islam, same thing. Oh. Well, Islam's the religion. Muslim is the person who is a follower of Islam. Like Christian and Christianity. Yes. But the same word. We use the same word. Uh huh. Like Christian Christianity. Uh huh. That's because you speak English. Islam's. Muslim. These are not English words. No. Right. They're Arabic. We're going there too one day. Now, what do you yeah, think about English? The language, anyways. Oh, we're, we're <laughs> America. It's America, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. So, how do I identify? I don't. I mean, I grew up Muslim. My parents were Muslim, but ancestors were, must have been Hindu, I'm guessing, with a lot of Hindu traditions. Um, no, I don't. I don't practice uh, and I don't, uh, I don't do any organized religion. So, it's a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> A whole lot of belief in a creator. That's that good helps, enough. That helps you get a view. Like I said, my view, once I got to, so I, once, once again, I got to the Bible. That's what I grew up in. Anyway, so I fell back on that. Went yep. right or wrong. I got to stick with that route. Once I got something yes, spiritual. Yes, it's right for you. Yeah. Yeah. Once I got something spiritual, I find out that a lot of people, once they get something spiritual, it doesn't matter if it's, like you said, with Buddha or yoga or mm-hmm. Chinese, Japanese, Chuck E. Cheese, it doesn't matter who you are. If you get something spiritual, you get a better yeah. handle on all this shit. It's it's, it's like okay. You know what it does? It, it it makes this is what I think it makes you do. Tell me if you agree. It makes you realize how meaningless you are in the big picture, like how insignificant yeah. and nothing you are. And at the same time, it makes you realize that you are everything and all things and bigger than what you can even comprehend and let those two things sit together. And how do you, yeah, so it gives you perspective. Yeah, it's perfect. so not a big deal. And then it's like, this really matters and you get to choose. Yeah, yeah, you get choices now. I, yeah, it's a balance. That's what I'm learning, I think. I think I'm landing there. Because like you said, a lot of things, when you do therapy with people, therapy is about, I've seen a lot of articles and things like that. People say when it comes to therapy, the goal is to get your, like when you deal with employees, you gotta get your, when employees feel positive about themselves and they have a self, high self-esteem, they're more productive, they're more happy. So spirituality gives you a sense of, yeah. I, I, I don't gotta be black, I don't gotta be white. Hell, I don't gotta be confused. Um, you gotta slip that in there. You can just be though, right? I mean, isn't that what we all want is just to exist, just to be, just to, it just, it, just to be free. Isn't that what that means is to just exist without any explanation, without any justification, just to kind of be. And nobody's better than me. I'm not better than nobody. There's a oh, mutual respect. Do whatever, whatever path you want to live. There's enough space for all of us. There it is. That kind of thing, right? Like, just like you do you, let me do me, and both have to be okay. Yeah, but this is newer for me to kind of think in those terms. So 
I like that you, sure. you've said that's kind of the spiritual piece is sort of giving you that like perspective because that's how I'm feeling. So it's good to get to think that's I'm on the right track. Yes, you definitely are. Follow me, little sister. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. That's what I do. That's what I do. All right, you know what? This has been fun. Yep. <laughs> this is next for me. Um, <laughs> got me, I hear got that. me back in the bottle. Um, I hear that. So, yeah. Thank you for doing this with me. And I, like I said, I just like you to this add live because it's, it's do you. It is what it is. No, this was this was fun. I love I love I I like I said I can always talk about this stuff, but it's really it's really great to talk about it with someone that gets it, but also is learning and, and open to to understanding things a little differently too. Yeah. But what I want to do too with you is this: I want to do a follow up eventually, and um, whenever I go to the whenever I go to one of these provinces, and I come across you. <laughs> A family reunion. We're gonna do a follow-up one, and uh, I, <laughs> I want to see. My dad will be like, "Oh, <laughs> there's our long-lost nephew." Yeah. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> see, but your story and my story. Hmm. Yep. Anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Rumi, and I'm saying, am I saying that Romina? Is it Romina? I'm saying it right, Romina. Romina. Um, although, <laughs> although, although. You know, there's a whole other topic there on, on how we say names. I've got three more episodes at least of you. I, I can think of right now. <laughs> yeah, I've got the Romina, I've got the yoga, and I got one other one. Yeah. Capitalism. There it is. We're coming back. Me and you, we'll do it again. <laughs> All right, so my closing word, but the way I usually close episodes is I say this episode 137. And obviously episode 130 is next, and I have no fucking clue what it's gonna be about, but when I know, I'll let you know. That's usually how I close. I want you to close it out. And when you close it out, hey, any last words? Draw from you. Nope. That's it. That's All right, good. there it is. Episode, this is a wrap episode 137. 130 is next, obviously, and I have no fucking clue what it's gonna be about, <laughs> but when I know, I'll let you know. <laughs>